love making this podcast and we would love to have it supported by a listener like you. So uh, go ahead, click the link in our show notes and join the awesome empire. Off. <laughs> I did. That's what I wrote about today. Did you really? Yeah. About taking your top off? Mm-hmm. What did you write? Give me on the list. Well, Eric's thoughts. I I have to pay. Oh, yeah. Do I have to pay to read What am I? Thoughts? A free piece of meat? Yeah. What am I? Just a free piece of slab of beef? <laughs> well, it's patreon.com forward slash awesome with Allison. Welcome to Awesome with Allison and Eric too. <laughs> I'm Allison, and our only goal with this podcast is to make me laugh hysterically. But the other only goal is to help you feel more awesome each time you listen, whether it's by laughing at us, laughing with us, or learning something new and helpful. We hope you feel a tad more empowered, lightened up, and awesome than you did before. I'm here with the one, the only, Mr. Eric's Thoughts himself, Mr. Eric Robertson. Hi. He's so annoying. He's so self-satisfied when he does that. Hi. But notwithstanding, we are... You don't know me. (laughs) We are very, 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 very happy to have you here. Happy to be... Apparently, I'm giddy and feeling pretty good today. Happy to be doing the podcast with you, our awesome empire. And this is episode 157, Finding Your Compassionate Voice. Ah, sigh. That sounds nice, doesn't it? Finding your compassionate voice. Mm-hmm. Where is it? Uh, well, we'll talk about that. But before we do, do you know what I really want to talk about? Some sort of romantic book. Oh, the rom-com books I'm I don't listening know. to? Yeah, no, so. but we can talk about those later. I've I moved into other genres. We don't have to. <laughs> well, I want to talk about our kitties. Oh, yeah. So our cat, Luna, we wanted, I wanted to get her spayed. Eric, I think, had secret plans for her because she tramps around the neighborhood at night that for her to have kitties. She gave birth on Sunday and we have the most adorable baby kitties in our house. Three. Now now who wants the cats? No, I, I'm trying to convince him that we can keep all of the cats. Oh my gosh, she's out of control. <laughs> I, I believe that every kid should witness a litter of puppies or a litter of cats, little kitties. And we weren't going to do it with dogs. Yeah. And we got Luna during COVID, and I called to get her spayed. They're backed out months. So we're like, okay, we'll keep her in the house so she can't go out and tramp around. But then she found the dog door. She watches Spike. And then there's nothing <laughs> else we can do. She's in and out. She, she's clubbing. She is out late. I, I seriously felt like we had a teenager sneaking out oh, late yeah. at night, gone for all hours. She we does the walk of shame every morning she, she's, she's got no shame, though. She's got no shame. <laughs> anyway, she had three perfect kitties. It was unbelievable to watch them being born and i was lucky enough we were lucky enough that she gave birth to one this is the cutest thing ever fiona was spending the night with cousins grandparents and fiona and the cat are like best friends so luna the cat gave birth where fiona sleeps usually in her blanket how freaking adorable is that? And I, I felt like early that morning, I heard this like very specific, like, and I was like, I swear Luna's giving birth today, but we didn't really have a clear timeline and we didn't know who the father was. And, (laughs) (laughs) and 
We didn't have cat insurance. Yeah, none of these things. Uh, just winging it, doing our best to watch this beautiful little creature know what to do. The, the cats are born in their own placenta, and then their she, own sack, sack, like yeah, yeah their yeah. own little sack, and then she licks it off of them and like eats it. They, they, she eats it, but they go from like almost immobile and then she like it looks like she's like literally bringing them to life like by licking them and licking them and licking them and watching her do this so i'm allergic to the cat we're not i've never liked cats i'm the one who wanted a cat it's hard to say how this all happened other than i don't really touch or interact with the cat much because makes my eyes itch uncontrollably (laughs) but after she gave birth i turned into some sort of like crazy cat defender warrior where I'm like, she needs calm energy. Everybody back up. Don't touch her. Don't touch the kittens. Don't get too close. A little bit of projection. Or I just know what it's like to have a baby. No, I, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, well, projecting my postpartum depression onto the cat, that might have been projection. <laughs> but I bring this up because I've become so in love with and enamored with going in throughout the day. We have her in Ginger's room, so the door is shut. We have her in, so we have one of those Ikea beds like with the under drawer. Rad thought of this to take a drawer and we turned that into like the box for the mama and the kittens. I sleep in a drawer. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not funny. I took my heating pads, my shoulder heating pad, my heating blanket. I mean, these are things I still use in the dead of summer, but I sacrifice for the kitties and put them under the blankets. And then I go in there and bring her cans of tuna and make sure she's got, she likes her water just fresh clean. And the kids, it's so funny because you would think I'm just so heartless. The kids are like, we didn't know you even liked the cat, mom. (laughs) But it's just been so special to watch this beautiful little creature know how to take care of these kit these kittens do you remember when you were very stressed out about and i'm and i'm like when? there's so many times i've been very you're stressed like she's out. not she's not feeding them she's you know and and i wasn't worried at all and oh, we I had that remember. we kind of had a little tiff i because he kept saying everything's fine everything's fine and i said you know what just you're dismissing me you're saying everything's fine and you don't know everything and so then what was so, the compromise <laughs> so i felt bad i didn't want to dismiss her thank you so i went and got one of our cameras indoor cameras and i put it in there as a cat cam cat cam you seem to feel a lot better with i the cat really cam. do feel better about with cat cam and also i just wanted to make sure you know she was old enough to have kittens but on the younger side and i wanted to make sure that she you know was nursing them and everybody was doing okay especially for the first few days that she was bonding with them and yeah maybe i'm gonna start crying but maybe projecting a little bit of that watching her take care of these babies it's like one of the first times I've really been able to acknowledge like how much work it is to, to take care of babies, to to keep other other beings alive, like you know, I did with my children and like so many people do, not just with their children, but people in their life. And it's actually given me this really beautiful, compassionate perspective of just how difficult it is to do the bare minimum and just take like taking care. We're so harsh on ourselves, and this leads perfectly into the episode of finding your compassionate voice. We're so hard on ourselves with everything that we need to be doing, everything we should be accomplishing, or, you know, the biggest lessons and teacher, the biggest teachers of my life for how harsh I was on myself is when I've been really sick after I got hit by a car over the last 
couple of years when I've had really severe health struggles, watching me beat myself up when I'm literally in a hospital bed, (laughs) on the ground bleeding, on my bathroom floor, unable to crawl to whatever, like really, and to feel guilty or shame in that instance has been very awakening for me. I want to introduce this concept that I learned from going through these really hard health trials in the last couple of years, emotional, physical trials. And if you're wondering what I'm talking about, just go back to a few episodes, the one called It's About Damn Time. I go into as much detail as I want to. (laughs) There. (laughs) And this isn't necessarily a concept that is explicitly written about in my book, which is coming out so soon. Oh my gosh. It's like a month tomorrow? Mm, Almost. Or a month and two days? Yes. Yeah. It's like almost here. Wow. If you guys want to pre-order that, we'll have a link in the bio. You're going to want to pre-order that. Well, let me tell you why you're going to want to pre-order it. Because even if you get the audiobook, which honestly, I hope you get them all, but the book itself has so many like things that can be used as journal prompts, checklists, mantras. It's a very tactile book. Yeah, right? you can open it to any page and there's like a heading. You're not going to like have to go Read. flip through the <laughs> You can you can just find it's like an inspirational it's an inspirational Bible in a way well, it's oh like gosh, wow. I mean thank you you go to any page and there's a heading you're like oh, yeah that, yeah, that really, resonates I'm that doesn't flip it, to another it's one it's hysterical there's very few pages that don't have a heading or a pullout not that it's so broken up that it doesn't read as a cohesive book it does but having it physically I know for me is really helpful so I hope it's helpful for you and speaking of helpful when you pre-order the book you're like I'll just wait till it comes out I respect that I get it but pre-ordering the physical book is the way that it starts to make waves like in terms of being able to be searched and found and different things like that so i really appreciate it it's a huge gift to pre-order it well yes so thank you so much and i wanted to share a concept from it kind of in celebration this idea of finding the compassionate voice finding your compassionate voice is something that i've really created as a practice of living. So as I was going through this really hard time, this really painful, physically painful, emotionally painful time, and you know, there's still residual pain. There's still like messy things happening, right? But I'm feeling so much better physically, feeling so much better mentally, emotionally. I can still start to get really stressed out and freaked out because not everything is perfect and not everything is exactly as I want it to be. And if you had told me a year ago that these pains would be fixed, but there would be a whole other set of painful things, (laughs) I would have said, no, just fix the one and let's move on, right? And so this practice of finding the compassionate voice, it it needs a little bit of explaining. That's why I wanted to reference the book. This comes from shift number five in the book. The book consists of 12 shifts so that you can easily shift into feeling as awesome as you are. You're already awesome. In this shift, this is called My True Self is Limitless. And with all of the shifts, I invite the reader, I invite you to just see how you respond to that idea. My true self is limitless. How do you feel about it, Eric? Well, you've read the book, but... How do I feel about that idea? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel great about it, and I'll tell you why. Thanks for asking. Please do. (laughs) When I am uh, centered in my true self, Mm. I uh, feel limitless. I'm inspired by the limitless source. When my false sense is where I'm attaching to, the language is very different. Mm-hmm. Very limiting. So yes, my true self is limitless. I think that people, this might be one of those phrases and all my shifts might be this way, but 
it it sounds a little too good to believe. It sounds a little too good to be true. It's good to be true, but it's naive maybe to think that it's completely true. That's why I had so much fun writing the book because it's like I get to say, here's why it's true for you. As I'm talking about this idea and being able to apply it to yourself, I'm going to read you a little bit from the book from shift number five, The Language of Limits. By nature, I'm a trusting person, so I tend to give equal weight and trust to all the sources in my life. But as I've built my business and my mental health, I started to realize how important it is to consider the source. Okay, so that's the book. This is Allison. And when we're talking about finding your compassionate voice, this is how it applies right here. Okay, so the source, we want to find that compassionate voice. So we're talking about your inner dialogue, your inner thoughts, your unconscious thoughts. And how do we do that? Consider the source. Okay, I'm going to go back to the book. The source being the person you're asking for advice or the voice inside you you're allowing to influence your decisions. As a new mom, I felt so lost. Oh, and this is great because earlier in this chapter, I talk about feeling lost as a new mom and we talked about the kittens. Yeah, Luna. I didn't even know this was going to happen. As a new mom, I felt so lost. But which part of me was lost? Was I lost in my heart? Was I lost in my mind? Was I lost from God? Where had I gone? Crazy town? (laughs) Probably. But I wasn't lost and neither are you. You are not lost. You don't not know who you are. You've just set up shop and started listening to the wrong source. How do you know which part is talking? Your heart, your mind? Consider the source. And how do you consider the source that's coming from within? Listen to the language it uses. I'm going to read this next really quick section. I paraphrased one part because it was referencing an earlier thing, but this has been so helpful to me to consider the source that's coming from within by listening to the language the source is using, right? So listening to the language is going to help you identify the source. So let's, let's dive into that. The language of limits. Remember, the shift in this chapter is my true self is limitless. So this, this felt really inspired. I remember writing this and writing the language of limits and thinking, this is true. This is really true. I feel this is true. I know this is true. It's not something I've said or explicitly shared before, but it just really felt like I was tapped in to my true limitless self when I wrote this. And it felt like it was an understanding that was beyond my own personal understanding. I felt that way a lot of writing the book. The last year and a half as the book has waited and rested and I've healed and it's like I went from thinking it was maybe beyond me to like having to live it. <laughs> like kind of having no other choice but to to live in it. And so let's get to this part, the language of limits. You are limitless. Your true, beautiful, glorious essence is awesome. And yet, the voice that's the loudest, the one we often listen to most, is the one that speaks in limitations and lack. It will never work. You don't have enough. You'll let everyone down. You need that degree. I've noticed that my ego-driven self, which wants me to believe that I am this world of form, of thought and action, speaks in the very specific language of shame. Love, the universe, God, consciousness, your awesome, the core of you that is as expansive and as beautiful as the sun, does not speak in shame. It does not guide you and speak to you with feelings of fear. Read that one more time. Love does not speak in shame. Joy does not speak in shame. God 
does not speak in shame. I really like that. I started like crying. Mm-hmm. Consider your source. The language of limits. So if limits are speaking to you, they speak in lack, in fear, in shame. And frantic energy. Frantic energy. Earlier in that chapter, I talk about this conversation with my son, Rad. And he says, Mom, I, I, you know, you say follow your heart, but what part is my heart and what part is my mind? To answer that question, I really thought about it a lot. That's something I say all the time, follow your heart. It's something people come to me to learn how to do, essentially, right? At the workshops and parties and all the things I've done. Mm-hmm. As I was really, really withdrawn and in my own inner world for an extended period of time. It reminds me of the tarot card, the archetype of the hermit. That's one of the major journey of the souls. Uh, Like one of the stopping points is the hermit. And the hermit is actually a really important place. It's an important part of the journey of the soul to go within, to have that reflection, to have that time to kind of withdraw a bit from all of the influences and all of the distractions of the world and really get honest and open and um, true with yourself. And that can be really, really uncomfortable. But in that place, that's where this idea of the compassionate voice really started to formulate for me. Noticing the compassionate voice never speaks in shame. The compassionate voice doesn't speak in lack. The compassionate voice within me doesn't speak in scarcity. And so when I want to follow my heart, is, is it my heart if it's speaking to me in shame? No, it's not my heart. Is it God or is it spirit? Is it universe if it's telling me all of the ways that I'm worthless and should give up and die instead of being able to be forgiven and make amends? No, that is that that is the source of fear. That is the source of limits. That is the source of lack. You can call that evil, Satan. You can call that fear, whatever you want to call it. It's not your true limitless self. Now, it might be part of you. That fear is part of you, but it is certainly not all of you. And I wanted to invite you to this practice of noticing your compassionate voice. How do you find your compassionate voice? Start noticing the source. Start noticing the language, the the inner dialogue. How are you going to notice if you don't take time to listen? Listen to yourself. Turn off, oh gosh, I'm talking to myself right now. Turn off the audiobook. Turn off turn off the, the 30th fantasy <laughs> <laughs> fantasy romance novel just for a moment, just for a moment. Then you can turn it back on. Get out the journal, get out the quiet music. Just get into yourself and listen. The power that that has, I think when you kind of are able to observe and not get so caught up in it, the power that that has for you to notice the language is huge. It's huge power. But sometimes it's hard not to get caught up in everything and not really know what to look for. So that's why I'm really helping that learning the language of limits and this idea of like the compassionate source and the compassionate voice might help you to start know what to look for. Is this making sense? Yeah, I think it starts with a question. I mean, at least for me, it's the question of what language is this? So when I'm uh, trying to make a decision or I see a fork in the road, like I'm going kind of going through it with my business right now, like, you know, which Mm. way to go. 
wherever there's fear and anxiety, it either means a couple things to me. I need to just like slow down and not rush into anything. Or if I'm going down and I'm making a decision and I have these feelings, I need to listen to the language. And is the language, like you said, lack and limit, then I know that's not my true self and that's not the true source. If it's, and I notice the dichotomy doesn't have to be the opposite is like, oh, this is totally the answer and I'm totally Ooh, at peace. I think that's a really, really good point because I think that we're so set up to believe if it's not like a 100 percent i'm i know it in every part of me that's not the answer right yeah so this is a beautiful tool to me to help me just like check in with the source which i would say god to me it's god check in with god that i'm not doing something because i've been listening to my lack or i've been listening to fear because if those things are in the language then i know that's not from god so i so i can just shut out that voice and try to be in the other one so it's, it doesn't solve all of your problems, but it does take you out of a big part of, of the lack and the, and the place you don't want to be. I love that. This idea of the compassionate voice, for me, it's like as I go about my day. So let's put this into application. I wake up and as I go about my day, the first thing that might happen when I wake up is, oh, it's really hot outside and I didn't wake up early enough to run. And there's not going to be any time during the rest of the day for me to be outside and exercise. Oh my gosh, like why didn't I wake up earlier? Well, I know I needed sleep, but right, right there, right there. It's already started. It's already started. I found myself in this place last year where there was just this loving, compassionate inner dialogue, this compassionate inner voice, this compassionate, compassionate narrative that helped me move throughout the day. It felt like a miracle. It, it was a miracle. It is a miracle. I will start to notice that when I'm feeling awful, it's subsided or it's quiet or I can't quite hear it or find it anymore. And so, of course, like what's the first instinct when I can't find it is to like, where is it? How do I get it back? <laughs> right? When in reality, the practice or the tool, as Eric put it, is to sit back and listen to the language. That helps bring me back to, okay, maybe I'm actually operating from like a place of like being really triggered or being in a little bit of a trauma state. So that's why it feels so dire right now. So listening to that dialogue of like, it will never get better. Everyone hates me. I've failed everyone. Nobody wants to work with me. Everyone will be disappointed. Those are some pretty, um, and, and it feels true. So there's also that compassionate of, man, that sucks that that feels so true. It sucks that that feels so true. Okay, so let me think about that language. Everyone hates me, okay? Well, even if I can argue that not everyone hates me, why am I even worried if people hate me, right? So so you start to get like really inquisitive and the compassionate answer there would be like, even if everybody hates me, like I can still love myself. And so that is not going to make you this egomaniac who doesn't listen to anyone and who doesn't forgive anyone and doesn't take any accountability. Because forgiveness, understanding, apologizing, those are very real things that the compassionate voice will put in front of you. The difference is that when it's time to make the apology, when it's time to accept the accountability, instead of it feeling impossible and you doing it begrudgingly, you're going to be doing it 100% sincerely and it's not going to feel quite so impossible. As Eric and I were talking today about what to do for the podcast episode, (laughs) I started thinking about this message that love, God, your true self, your highest self will not speak to you in shame. 
And this is the message that I feel like so many of us desperately need right now. It's throughout my book in application, in detail. And that's why I'm really proud to be sharing my book at this time. But most importantly, I've been able to really apply it in my life. Even when really, really difficult things are happening, to be able to find my compassionate voice and allow it to cradle me and hold me and like a mother kitten <laughs> lick me and, and kind of revive me, keep me living, right? Literally like that rebirth type of feeling. It's like taking me from like the edge, like this death to like, like resuscitating me. And that's what this compassionate voice will do and can do. And I just want to share this with you. I hope that this is a tool that some part of it you're able to latch on to and use and find that compassionate voice within you because that's your true self. That's your limitless self. That's your awesome. That's why the title of my book is You're Already Awesome. That's why Eric and I really do this work is to to find that truth, to find that source. And the reason I personally feel so passionate about it is because, well, I had to do it or die. Legit. Like it was this or not be alive anymore. So it means a lot to me for that reason. Isn't it awesome that I happen to have the skill set, that I happen to have the talents, that I happen to have the voice, that I happen to have the gifts, that I happen to have the privilege, that I happen to have all of these things that give me the ability to share it. So even though it's hard... And even though it can be confusing, and even though it's not always super clear, the compassionate voice within me has guided me to, I'm going to just go ahead and keep on sharing it. The fear, the lack, the limits, they're there. They are so there. The shame screams at me, okay? It screams at me, but I'm just not going to listen to it. It's still screaming. I hear it. (laughs) Like children screaming in the background but I'm just choosing not to listen. In case we all needed a punctuation on that, as I said, I'm choosing not to listen. Fiona opened the door and came in and interrupted that flow of thought. Demanding macaroni and cheese. (laughs) Life, man, life. She's a cheese weasel. She's a cheese weasel, but she's a really cute cheese weasel. So I'm going to go make her some mac and cheese. And I hope that you guys throughout the rest of your day, throughout the rest of your week, throughout the rest of your life, are able to return to the compassionate voice. Why? Because only you can be you and you are already as awesome as you need to be. Eric, what are you going to take us out on? Yeah, this song is from my new album that comes out at the end of the month. This is a classical piece called New World Largo from Dvorak and I did it in my own version and it's called New World Largo. New World Largo 